There are numerous events in the Bible that I would call for our uh, observation tonight Super Bowl moments. The message is entitled, uh, He, talking about God, capital H, is unstoppable. I was reading a few stats, of course, and the Super Bowl that was really interesting. Uh, this uh, Tom Brady, who is a quarterback for the Patriots, uh, has five Super Bowl rings. Uh, there's one other individual that is a linebacker that has five, but if he wins tonight, he gets a six, which sets him apart from any other football player that's ever played the game to have six Super Bowl rings. I don't know. You know, when you get three, what's the fourth one matter? When you get four, what's the fifth one matter? And when you get five, what's the sixth one matter? Well, it really is going to matter tonight. We know that the Eagles, of course, <clears throat> they, uh, they, haven't, uh, they haven't been to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl. So this is a big deal for them. They're working on their backup quarterback, which uh, proved uh, his unique ability. You saw the quarterback that had the, uh, the, the torn uh, ligaments in the knee, and he talked about all I said was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, you know that he's going, to be, uh, he's, going, he's going to be encouraging his team to win. Another thing that's going to happen tonight, <clears throat> the average com or commercials uh, will be for 30-second spots. Some of them will be at least $5 million for 30 seconds. Now, if you're an organization, you got to think, how much airtime am I going to get and what am I going to have results to hand a check for $5 million for 30 seconds? 30 seconds, 5 million bucks. The reality is that's the craze that goes along with tonight. <clears throat> I texted someone earlier tonight. I hope they're watching right now. I said, where are you? <laughs> I just love doing stuff like that. The response was, well, we're, we're meeting with our small group, you know, which, oh, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. That's why we have the service at 5 o'clock, so you can do it all. Nonetheless, this event, uh, and we, we told you one hour, but I want to get to the meat. I believe Jesus Christ is coming. And when you begin to see more and more signs about the coming of Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. The Super Bowl is not going to matter. No event, no sporting event is really going to matter. What's really going to matter is, am I ready to go? What's really going to matter is, is my family right with God? And those are the things that are going to matter. You see, at this point in time, Jesus was teaching those in the Scripture, in the New Testament, in the Gospels there, and then Paul picks it up and many others. He wanted individuals to focus on what we call Christianity. We want to focus on our purpose of our spiritual lives. And we want to focus on the desire of God's heart for lost humanity. Paul realized the challenge that was going on in his culture. Here's an intellectual genius, so to speak, a man of, of deep religious principles and he makes this statement in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 and 2, because he learned a valuable lesson. And it's a lesson that we learn and that we have to continue to learn. And it is this. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. 
He said, all those things are valuable and important. But I resolved, resolved to know nothing while I was with you except one thing. Jesus Christ and him crucified. One thing, just tuck it away there. The priority of importance of all of our lives, one thing. Jesus Christ and him crucified. When you begin to live toward that, you begin to play toward that, you begin to enjoy with a behavioral habits in your life that plays too. Hey, Jesus Christ and him crucified, that's what my life is about. If we believe every day brings us closer to the rapture of the church, then we begin to understand that Satan is aware of that truth. He doesn't know the time or the hour, but I promise you he's working overtime. Satanic inter interference will always challenge each individual believer. Someone said to me today, Sharon's fall there and, and her migraine headache and all this. And boy, I'll tell you what, the devil must really be after you. I said, hallelujah. They looked at me like I said something wrong. I said, you know what it means? As long as he's after me, it means he hadn't got me. Amen? You got to take that positive spin. You got to understand satanic influence, influence. But here, here's what I know. The devil has nothing to match the power of God's redemptive purpose, nor the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your family. And spiritual warfare will be the norm. I believe that. You say, now you're getting spooky. Every single day, if you are aggressive toward your relationship with Jesus Christ, satanic interference, interference is going to be there. And that's the way it is. They're going to take a little pigskin of a football, and here's the goal. Get it across the goal line as many times as you can, and the other team on defense is going to do everything they can to say, we're going to stop you, we're going to chant you, we're going to do everything that we can to make your life miserable. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 11. Okay, if you know you're in spiritual warfare, and you know that is the case, and you know what your purpose is, and you know that Jesus is coming back, here's what you need to do. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Why do you put on the full armor of God? So that you can take the devil when he comes at you. Not if he comes at you, but when he comes at you. We are not to meet the enemy passively. We are to go out and attack. Listen, you saw the testimonies of these guys. They're going to put that war paint on under their eyes. They're going to suit up with their uh, uh, regalia. They're going to put their helmet on. They're going to do everything that they can with the latest and the greatest and their goal, Christian or not. I'm going to go out and do my best to help my team win no matter who I have to run over, no matter who I have to hurt. Nobody gets in my way. We are headed to the goal line. It's, oh, I'm a Christian. I can't run over you. I might hurt you. Not when that game whistle blows. And listen, the game is on. America is just asleep. God has an awakening that is coming, and there are two types of awakening, one that creates fear and trepidation. Who would have ever think uh, an individual in Hawaii would actually push the wrong button and declare that what he heard, there's a real threat coming, run to the bunker, everybody, human error. 
Boy, that created quite panic in the lives of the individuals in that particular area after all that we hear from North Korea. And here's the other thing. That is an awakening. Here's the other thing. It is a dynamic, power-driven, anointed, Holy Ghost, fire-filled revival that comes down and said, hey, this is not about fear. This is about blessing. Get ready. You're going to begin to see things you have never seen before, and it's going to come under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Well, Mike Murdoch hadn't figured out whether I like him or not, but nonetheless, he says, never complain about what you permit. I like that. Never complain about what you permit. So here we go. This is a crucial, what I call, Super Bowl moment in the life of the church. Intentions. Satan has nasty intentions. Acts 12, 2. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. That was all a part of the plan of Herod and others. We find the church in a horrible situation. We are driven to the crucifix of having to stand up and, God, show yourself. It is this moment and this moment in our text. Peter has been preaching now for 15 years. Since he preached this message in the book of Acts in that second chapter, preached that first message, and what a message it was on the day of Pentecost. (laughs) As a result of that message, God is beginning to break down barriers, and we are building up to a head-to-head confrontation. Thousands had become disciples of Christ. Many churches in Antioch and other areas had been established. The Roman government had been adversely affected. They did not know what to do with these praying people. Many Jews are angry at fellow Jews who've chosen to be Christians and have forsaken the ritualistic way of life. Boldness is the order of the day for a believer. You could not survive in that day without being absolutely bold and being prepared to give your life for the purpose of giving God glory and honor. Satan's strongholds are being torn down. Satan cannot figure it out, and some of the people who are among the Christian sect, they can't figure it out. The only thing they come to the realization of, it's supernatural. There are things that happen in our lives that we can't explain, that God who goes before us works it out before we ever get there. And I'm here to tell you, I believe in the God thing. How about you? It's a God thing. Well, Saul, who was, or Paul, who was once Saul, brought new inspiration to the church So what's the goal here? Satan's got to find the personality. He's got to find the person. He's got to have that play, so to speak, on the field of play to try to stop that church. Satan's intention was straight up and down. I want to destroy the church, and I want to gather the forces that I have for this moment in time. So here's what he happens. He used the tools of individuals in his hand. Herod was a tool in the hand of Satan. And this is what they do. James, John's brother, has been killed by the sword. Wasn't an accidental death. It was on purpose. And then this is what the Bible says. Inasmuch as he saw that it pleased the Jews, he thought, well, I'll get Peter. He's the big guy. He's the fullback. He's the the individual that they go to every single time. He's the playmaker. I'll get Peter and we'll imprison him. Since he found out it was so popular, 
with many of those who were in Rome and those who were among the Jews. And so he did. <clears throat> he arrested Peter. As believers, we must never forget the power and not take Satan's power for granted, nor should we overlook the subtle ways of the enemy. In the Super Bowl tonight, I promise you, there will be plays that neither team or neither team has ever seen before from that team on offense. They will bring to their playbook some new plays and say, you've never seen this play. Guys, we're going to pull that one on you. You're going to see some trick plays. You're going to see some unbelievable plays out there tonight because it's leave nothing on the table. This is Super Bowl. And in that moment, that was the anxious anticipation of the enemy. I'm leaving nothing on the table. And then here's something else. Satan is not easily discouraged. You can't easily hurt Satan's feelings. And then also, <clears throat> Satan will do everything that he can to buffet us and to pick choice moments in our lives, in our families, to make his attack and his attention known. So, his desire, persecute the believer. But here's what he does. He doesn't necessarily come out and say, okay, have you been persecuted this week? Well, no. But he will wear you down. Just wear you down with the little foxes. He thought, if I can destroy their leadership, their structure, i.e. James, and now Peter is arrested, then I want you to know I can remove all the anointed playmakers and all the anointed influencers. So Ephesians 6.16 says, in addition to all this, <clears throat> take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What he's saying is, in the midst of the aggravating influences of the enemy, in the midst of his best moves, hang on to your faith. Because sometimes that's all you have. Hang on to your faith and don't you dare give up. You know what that's akin to? It's like you having an offense and you have the football. And because, because you got angry at one of your players and you're supposed to be going for the goal, that you just take the ball and say, I just want to give it to the defense here, guys. That's what that means when you give up your faith, when you push back. Hey, here's the ball. Here's a freebie, guys. See if you can make a touchdown. Remove all anointed influence. And we understand that. And let adversity, here's what we understand. And this is what they were learning. Let adversity in your life, let adversity in your business, let adversity in your family fuel the fire of godly determination. Fuel the fire. There'll be some things tonight that will happen that one team or another may get two touchdowns behind. Who knows? But do you think for a moment they're going to let, just because we're 14 points behind, we're going to give up? No. We're going to play to the final whistle. Having two touchdowns and being behind is only going to fuel our aggressiveness toward the enemy across the line. Satan's intentions, and this is what I want to ask you. We know Satan's intentions, but... Do God, our Father, and Satan, 
our enemy know our intentions. What is your intentions? You're on the field of play. You're in the game. Time on your life is ticking. What's your intention? My intentions that no matter what happens, I'm not giving up or backing up. I'm not shying away. I am not going to get discouraged. I'm going to stay in the game of life until I breathe my last breath. Paul writes, Ephesians 6.10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Here's something else, Satan's intentions. Here's one on our side, intercession. God said, use it. Intercession? Use it. How many of you remember someone in your family? Many years ago, or maybe even now, you could count on that if you got up in the middle of the night or early in the morning, you'd hear them praying somewhere in the house, in the bedroom, in the living room. You would hear those prayers going up, interceding for the needs of others. God said, use it. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Okay, here's what we know. We're a church. We've had a good run. Peter said, 15 years of ministry. We have impacted the powers of darkness. We've done well, but here's what we have to do. Now Peter, our go-to man, he's in jail. And you know what? It's amazing. The enemy realized Peter's escape ability. They had 16 soldiers that guarded as they traded off four at a time, four and then four and then four and then four. Four to guard? Have you ever been down in one of those prisons? I have. I've been down in there. Where in the world is he going to go? There's only one hole in. It's not like there's a staircase to heaven out of the jail cell. They put them down in the cavern of the earth, and there's only one hole. You look down in a hole about like that, and they're down there, and you got four soldiers standing over that hole. Is he still in there? But he's guarding to intercede is to petition the favor of someone else. And I want us to just please grasp this. My prayer is, God, give us more intercessors in 2018. Give us more intercessors that realize the magnitude of the game that we're in tonight. Give us more intercessors who understand what it means to win and understand the presence of God. Satan's intentions can always be met head on with the tool of intercession. The church knew that their power was not in rebellion or in their own strength or in their intellectual dialogue. Come on over and let's reason together, Mr. Herod, and see if we could work something out, you know, and have a good compromise to get Peter released. Herod desired to take Peter's life, period. Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You won't reason it out, but it's against rulers and authorities and powers of dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The only way you deal with that is not at the table of compromise. You deal with that on your knees in prayer, interceding for God and allowing God's power to show up and meet that need. The secret of intercessory prayer is beyond anything that we know. We call it the playbook. They're not going to say on the eagle side or the other team's side, here's our playbook. 
We want you to take a look at it. No, what intercession does, it causes those of us to get on our knees and intercede and often in a prayer language in a language that the enemy does not understand it is a one-way communication between you and God and God breathes new inspiration into that situation and then he takes over he takes over and the hard things become things that can be accomplished and the crooked paths become straight by the grace of God. Those are issues of spiritual warfare, issues that the enemy does not understand. Paul says in Romans 8, 25 through 27, he said, all we may see seemingly is destruction, and we may be too fearful and emotional to pray. But he said, here's what happened. The Spirit of God, hallelujah, sees our weakness and we may not know how to pray but the spirit sees the intent of our hearts and the spirit prays for us and then the will of God is accomplished it is not by might nor by power but by his Holy Spirit God loves it when his child intercedes on behalf of others and God then chooses to move in our behalf we find in Romans 8 31 what then shall we say in response to this if God is for us, what's it say? Who can be against us? Number three. It's beginning to rain, rain, rain. Interruption. Let God do it. Let God do it. Acts 12, 7, suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He smacked Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains on Peter's wrist fell off because he had the hacksaw to cut them off because he had a settling torch to burn them off, because he had a pair of wire cutters to cut them off. No, because he said, quick, get up. Quick, get up. Satan's intention is always to combat the believer in God's church and you and your family and your business and your kids. <clears throat> I dealt with two situations just this week, parents having to deal with their kids. I dealt with one with a phone call right before church of their daughter who was in an accident, hit black ice. Said, Pastor, we're going to be driving for 15 hours to get there to her. She's a student at Liberty University. Try to get there to her. Because she's 20, we can't get any information from the hospital. She doesn't have a credit card. She can't rent a car. We don't know what's going on. Please pray. God will keep his hand on our daughter. Intercession. I said, you got 16 hours to be able to intercede 16 hours of prayer 
Peter's in prison. We know that. Guarded by the soldiers, he's hours away from death. We're past halftime into the fourth quarter. And the clock is ticking down. And it sure looks like in the life of the church that Satan has the upper hand. And he is leading by more than a touchdown. Peter's hours away. He's the go-to guy. The Roman and Jewish believers are united. Mockers are set to observe and ridicule. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a light appeared. Where'd that come from? Light always represents the presence. Uh-oh. Peter, get up, son. Get up. The minute he did, the chains fell off. Now let me pause. There is no bondage and no power and no threat and no situation but what God can't show up and say, it's over. Get up. Get up. You might be 14 points ahead, devil. But listen, in a matter of 30 seconds, we're about to make three touchdowns because there is a supernatural player on the field now. Hallelujah. He has the power to freeze the defense in place and just walk by giving high fives, taking the ball into the goal line. And my friend, how wonderful is that? They knew the church had experienced fire from heaven. Ananias and Sapphira died suddenly. Saul was his sight restored. But he marched right into the strong. Come on, get on your feet, friend. We're getting ready to end this. He marched right into Satan's stronghold and unleashed Peter from chains and walked through the prison without one incident. What happened to the four soldiers. He gave them gift cards to Starbucks and they left. He said, I'm here, Peter. Come on out. What a celebration we're going to have. Here's how I want you to live. Here's how I want you to leave here. I want you to have a get up moment. I want you to have a moment to say, God, you can take all the stuff and you can call it whatever you want to call it. And I'm going to put it right out there because I know in whom I have believed and I am fully persuaded that you're able to take that stuff right there and put it where it needs to be. I'm walking out of here in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that you give us. We know that strife and great challenge and great difficulty happens to all of us. We know that winning a football game, there's going to be perspiration, plain old sweat, blood, everything else. 
They're going to get that Super Bowl ring. That's what they say. They're in their locker rooms right now, hyping one another up. We want to win this game. Well, here's the beauty of it. Lord, you already played the game. You said if we just confess the fact that you won, hallelujah, that you won, and you just let us get out on the field to play and practice runs. Well, God, the best exercise we can get is jumping up and down, jumping up and down, jumping up and down, because one day we're going to jump, and we're not even going to come down. Hallelujah. We're going straight on up by the grace of God. I pray you'd bless every family. I, I pray for every business. I pray for every child, every kid. I pray for wisdom for all our families. I pray you do something so special. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, would you repeat this prayer, everybody? Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Here's my heart. Here's my heart. Here's my life. Here's my life. Use it as you choose. Use it as you choose. I shall not be afraid. I shall not be afraid of the lies of the enemy. Of the lies of the enemy. I shall not be afraid of what I see that seems insurmountable. I shall put my faith in my relationship with Jesus Christ. For Lord Jesus, you are my Redeemer. You are my Deliverer. You are my Peacemaker. You are my Conqueror. You are the overcomer, and you are my soon-coming king. So come now, in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Put your hands together, and let's thank God. Would you do that? Here we go. I want to have a song. If you need prayer, we're going to have some, some come down here in the front, and we'll wait on you a few minutes. If you just need a touch from God, you come down. There's something you need to pray about. we got some altar workers going to be here. You can come. God bless you. I don't care what team you're for. Really doesn't matter. I don't, I really don't care. And I know that most of you don't. What I do care about, though, is winning for Jesus. Amen. So let's get on the field to play and go out there and just tear it up until he comes. Amen. God bless you. Don't get wet.